Uh, today we're going to be studying Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 21. So if you have your Bible, uh, go ahead and grab that and open that up to Luke chapter 2, verse 21. It's also available right here at the Virtual Church campus by clicking Bible uh, in, on your screen, and you can follow along with us. Um, for the next two weeks, uh, we're going to be looking together at the early life of Christ. Now, the Bible doesn't have a lot of details regarding the early life of Jesus. Of course, we have his birth. We have what we're going to be studying today, his presentation at the temple. And it also contains the episode where Jesus is in the temple teaching and people are amazed. And we'll be talking about that next week. Uh, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of information about Jesus's formative years. And uh, it's led to lots of speculation over, the, over time as to how Jesus spent his early childhood. And that's all it is, is speculation. The Bible uh, doesn't tell us exactly. And, and, and um, it's a great mystery to us how Jesus grew up and what he experienced. Um, but, you know, as we're told in Scripture, that the Bible can't contain everything that happened in Jesus's life. It would just be a volume way too big. Um, the information that the Bible does provide reinforces some truths about Jesus's upbringing, that he was from a lower class family, that he grew up fairly poor. There was nothing extraordinary about him, and nothing was really expected. Nothing great was expected to come from him or his family. They were working class people. Of course, from the very beginning, Jesus's life was not ordinary. It was very extraordinary. Remember, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born to a virgin mother. He was visited by strange men from the east, hunted by an evil king, and driven from his home. Today we're looking at the narrative of Jesus being presented at the temple. We'll see that though the Bible is not exhaustive regarding the birth of Christ, we have all we need to lead us to salvation and for us to share with others. Before we start reading God's word today, I'd like to open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we are able to gather together in this forum. The church building may be closed. We may be uh, forbidden from meeting together in a large group. But I thank you for this technology and this ability to meet together and share in community um, virtually. I pray that though our service is virtual, that your presence be very real in everyone's home and in their hearts. I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us today as we examine your word and what it means for us. I pray your blessing upon every family, every individual listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to start in verse 21 of Luke chapter 2. Follow along with me. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem who was named Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, 
And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Through this historic account of Jesus' early days, we see three scenes around a central theme that Jesus was God's provision to bring salvation. In the first scene, we see Jesus being dedicated to the Lord's service. The first thing we see is his name, that Joseph and Mary are obedient to name their son Jesus. Of course, what other option do they have? They were told by an angel to name him Jesus. And the name Jesus has great significance. It means Yahweh saves. From the very beginning, Jesus' mission is laid out before him in his name, Yahweh saves. In Matthew 1.21, we see the account of where Joseph is instructed to name his son Jesus. The angel says to Joseph, She will bear a son, she, Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Wow! Wow! Joseph, you know, fathers have great hopes for their sons. They have great hopes for their children. But before Jesus is even born, Joseph is told that your son is going to save their people from their sins. That's huge. I can't even imagine what Joseph must have thought when he was told that. The name Jesus perfectly embodies Jesus' mission to save his people from their own sins, to save us from ourselves, to save us from judgment. Another thing we see in this early scene is his circumcision. Now, circumcision was first instituted in the Abrahamic covenant, and then it was renewed in the Mosaic uh, law. Galatians 4.5 says this about Jesus' circumcision. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Through circumcision, Jesus was identified as one of God's people. He, he was identified as a, a, an, is, an Israelite, a, a child of God, a child of God's chosen people. The preacher D.G. Barnhouse says this, His circumcision was his first suffering for us. We know that, that uh, children were circumcised on the eighth day. And Jesus is presented in the temple 33 days later. This is the time for his mother's ritual purification. And together they came on the 40th day of his life uh, to, number one, the family be purified and cleansed ritually, and also that they might present Jesus and redeem him. This is where we come to next, Jesus' presentation at the temple. 
As the firstborn son of Mary and Joseph, Jesus was presented and also redeemed at the temple. Now, oftentimes when we dedicate babies in the church, we refer to this scene. But this scene is, is more of a, a redemption, a, a, a time for them to redeem their firstborn son as is commanded in Exodus 13, 13, where it says, Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Now the cost to redeem the firstborn was five shekels. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph showing up at the temple to redeem for five shekels, which I'm sure was a significant amount of money to them. But what, a, what an investment. Five shekels to redeem the Redeemer who would one day redeem the world by his precious blood. What a bargain. What an offer that the Lord made to us. Their humble sacrifice of two doves further suggests that they were poor. They were too poor to bring a lamb for sacrifice, so they brought the lesser, the, the two doves. But I'm reminded of Abraham and Isaac. I'm reminded of Abraham's obedience to go up to the top of the mountain without a sacrifice and Isaac asking him, where is the sacrifice? And here we see Mary and Joseph and they're going up to the temple and they're presenting their son and they bring a meager sacrifice of two doves, but they also brought the Lamb of God. They brought the Lamb who would be sacrificed for each and every one of us. He was the Lamb. They may have been poor, but through Him we are all made rich. The Bible tells us, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, for your sake He became poor, so that you, by His poverty, might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Amen. The naming of Jesus, his circumcision, and his presentation at the temple by his obedient parents, Mary and Joseph, highlighted that he belonged to God. Jesus was born under the law with the purpose to fulfill the law of Moses on behalf of God's people and everyone who would come to him by faith and serve the Lord. Now, in the second scene of our story, we see Jesus recognized by Simeon as the Lord's Messiah. And this gets to the point in the title of our message, what Simeon saw. When Simeon sees Jesus, he sees hope. And Simeon was a man of great faith who anxiously awaited to see the Messiah. As a matter of fact, he had been waiting his whole life for this moment. Can you imagine being promised by God that you'll see the Lord's Messiah before you die and waiting in the temple faithfully, serving God faithfully, waiting your whole moment, your whole life for this one singular moment. And this is what happens in this scene, in the second scene of our story. And while Simeon saw Jesus, he then he took him and he embraced him and he held him. And while he was holding Jesus in his arms, he felt the peace of God knowing that he was holding the life of the world in his hands. God is so faithful, church. He, he is so faithful. He's faithful now, he was faithful then, and he will be faithful in the future. And holding Jesus, 
Simeon was actually experiencing the faithfulness of God to fulfill his long-standing promise to redeem his people and save them from their sins. Jesus was the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the takeaway for us in this story is, though we may never, we will never embrace baby Jesus, is that we must take hold of God's promises. I think just the boldness of Simeon to reach out and take a hold of the Messiah. I mean, Simeon knew full well that in his arms was the Lamb of God. He wanted to take hold of the promise for himself. And church, this is the challenge for us today, to take hold of the promise of God, knowing that he cannot lie. By his very nature, everything that God says is a promise. He cannot lie. And all of his promises will be fulfilled. In 1 Thessalonians, we're reminded of this. Chapter 5, verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will do it, church. He will see you through every crisis, including the one we're currently in. He will see us through. He will fulfill his promise. Amen. We reflect God by keeping his promises. If God is a promise keeper, then we as his people reflect his character by keeping our promises. We should do our very best to keep our promises. We should do everything within our power to keep our promises. Because by doing so, we're reflecting the character and nature of God. And this brings us to the third scene in our study today. We see Jesus is exalted as the one who will bring redemption to his people. The Bible records that Mary and Joseph were amazed. They were amazed at the revelations about their infant son through Simeon. They were astonished at what Simeon was saying. What a confirmation. Of course, the angel of the Lord had already appeared to Joseph. Joseph already knew exactly who Jesus was. Mary certainly knew as well, but just a confirmation. And just a side note, I know that in my life, God has called me to do exactly what I'm doing today, pastoring this wonderful church. I know that God has called me to this field, but along the way, I've, I have to admit, I've, I've doubted, I've wondered, am I exactly where God wants me to be? I want to tell you, church, he has always been so faithful to send people like Simeon to reinforce his call. To just let me know that, yes, I'm exactly where I need to be. I'm doing exactly what I need to be doing. And um, that God is faithful and he is with me. And and, uh, this must have been an amazing moment for Joseph and Mary. Just imagine what they may have been thinking. Imagine for a moment what was leading to their amazement. Just what they were hearing uh, from a a stranger, really, uh, about their son. It turns out, though, Simeon is kind of a good news, bad news type of guy. Because though he says great things about the infant baby Jesus and, and his future, he also has a, some, some words that are hard to hear for Mary and Joseph. Simeon declared that the life of Jesus would have a profound lasting effect on the people of the world. He says that his life will be for the fall and rising excuse me, of many in Israel. And what he's saying here is that some some will trust Jesus as Savior and be saved. Some some will do that. 
but many will deny him and remain under judgment. What we think about Jesus is a dividing line. A dividing line between those who are saved and those who are lost. Those who will stand before God in, his, in Jesus' righteousness, clothed in his righteousness, and those who will stand before God in their own righteousness. Jesus had come to lift up the humble, but to bring down the self-righteous. This is a dividing line that the life of Christ will bring between people. Simeon also reveals that Mary would have to endure pain as the mother of Jesus and that it would be a great burden for her to watch Jesus' ministry and eventually his rejection and his crucifixion. We know Mary was an eyewitness to all the suffering of Jesus, the passion of the Christ, which we'll be emphasizing here in the Easter season. Everything that Jesus went through, his kangaroo court trial, his sentencing, the carrying out of that sentence. I mean, her son was almost unrecognizable after his flogging. And then to see him hung nearly naked on a cross, to be mocked, to be ridiculed, how painful it must have been for Mary to see these things. And this is what Simeon is referring to. But while that brought, I'm sure, Mary great sadness and, and uh, pain, I know that in my experience in pastoring, seeing parents dealing with the sickness or suffering of a child is, is so overwhelming and so difficult for those parents when those children do recover, when they are healed, when they are uh, restored, just the joy that returns to the parent's life is, is pretty amazing. Um, I know many of you suffer alongside your children when they're sick. But Mary, though she had to see all this and be a witness to this and, and held uh, Jesus in her arms after he was dead, the pain that she would endure as the mother of Christ would be alleviated as she was also a recipient of his redemption and his salvation. See, Jesus not only died for the sins of the world, he died for the sins of his own mother. He died for all of humanity. And we know that Mary continued to worship Jesus as her Savior, uh, because in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says this, All of these, all of the believers, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. I, I tell you, this account in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, is one of the greatest testimonies that Jesus is exactly who he said he is uh, throughout the New Testament, he was worshipped by his own mother and his brothers. Now, we don't know a lot about the early life of Jesus. But what we do know is that nothing happened in his early life that would lead his mother and his brothers to doubt that he was the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just, it, it's a, such a wonderful truth. 
Mary worshipped her own son as the son of God, as her savior, and so did his brothers. Church, I want to remind you that the words of Simeon are still true today. In every scene of this story, we see the salvation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. The fact that he lived is virtually undisputed, but his divinity and his mission are widely contested. But we as the church, we know exactly who Jesus is. We knew exactly what his mission is, and we know who he came to save. There is a stark dividing line that separates all humanity. It's not communist or capitalist. It's not Democrat or Republican. It's not vegan or meatgan. It's saved or unsaved, grace or judgment, his righteousness or self-righteousness. I encourage you, church, to take hold and experience the peace of God in the fulfillment of his promise and his sent son, Jesus, as our Redeemer and Savior. Then we can say with Simeon, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel.